You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast with your host, Zach Alboverde. Coming in hot. And Graham Hall. Jumping. Coming smooth. Jumping. And the bass gets jumping. Brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. Welcome into the Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. Zach Alboverde and Graham Hall here. And it is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Get that right out of the way once we start. Nobody has told us that we can't say it, so... Save that name. We're saying it. Preserve it. I mean, you heard Antonio Valentino this week just want to get rid of the game in Jacksonville before Mm. he was informed that it's a cocktail party. And then informed of the true nickname, his response was, oh, that's lit. So Florida's going to need to be lit on Saturday if they're going to pull off this upset. We haven't visited with you guys since that defensive collapse in Baton Rouge and Florida's SEC East hopes have basically gone out the window. Now they're unranked going into this matchup, staring at a potential four and four record, Graham, and just not the season that the Gators thought that they could have even after their first loss to Alabama. And we'll get into it. We'll break down this game with Mark Weiser from the Athens Banner Herald and uh, give you our X factors for Saturday if the Gators are going to pull off this upset. But Graham, what's your overall take and just feelings heading into this matchup on Saturday. It really has lost a lot of luster after that disappointment in Baton Rouge. I think not just from you and I, obviously, when it comes to assessing how it could play out those actual 60 minutes of football, but I think from the fans and even from the players, you got to be a little bit down after seeing much of your hopes go out the window. Losing your third SEC game in five tries, no team overcomes that, runs the table, wins the national championship. I I don't want to sound like I'm being cruel here, but really I think the narrative of Florida season has changed after the bye week here. Now they can kind of play spoiler, salvage, play for pride, whatever you want to call it. Try to go on a win streak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there still is much to play for. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's nothing to play for. It just has... Your, cha- your championship aspirations are yeah. gone. I mean, and no one here is sitting here talking about being champions of life. So <laughs> we're not using that champions word. We're talking about realistic expectations for this team. And honestly, I know it's not the prize that you want, but you have a chance to spoil the best Georgia season in my lifetime. And I mean, what more is desirable than that? They would be cursing this game for eons, for years, if Florida somehow becomes the linchpin that undoes this incredible season. That really should be, I think, enough motivation. But when you're talking about all the losses, can they overcome that? Can they put those emotions aside and look like this is the Alabama game all over again and everything's in front of them? I'm not totally certain. And it's interesting for Florida, this is the second time this season they get an opportunity to face the number one team in the country. You don't get that very often. It probably only ever happens in the SEC, and there are some teams that have had that in a regular season schedule. But for the Gators, that is an opportunity that they're kind of looking at and looking forward to because the last time they faced the number one team, they played up to their standard. They played up to the opponent that they were facing, and and obviously – came up just short against Alabama. Now, can they do that against Georgia? Well, a lot is going to depend, I think, on what happens with the quarterback situation for both teams. And that's, I think, one of the storylines 
going into this game is the fact that we could see maybe four quarterbacks on Saturday, certainly going to see two from the Gators. And that's about the only thing that Dan Mullen has made clear is that he plans to keep playing both guys. He's not given any specifics away in terms of who's going to take the first snap, how he's going to divvy up the series, and and what the rotation could look like. So he's keeping it close to the vest, as is Kirby Smart. He's been playing coy this week when asked about who he's going to start at quarterback, whether it be Stetson Bennett, who's started the past three games and was the starter last year when they went against the Gators, and we'll get into his injury. But also JT Daniels, who was the season opening starter and that went over Clemson and has been out with an injury, but is practiced last week, practiced this week, and should be available on Saturday. So Smart's not giving any hints away as to who's going to get the nod. I think everybody expects it to at least be Bennett to start And then maybe if he doesn't get the job done like he did last year, which there was a reason for that, then then, then maybe they go to JT. But that, I I think Mullen obviously pointed out, why why isn't anybody talking about Georgia's quarterback situation? That's the big story, not Florida's. But I think for folks in Gainesville, they want to know what's going to happen with AR-15. Is his usage going to increase? And also, is is all those conservative play calls going to go out the window? The Georgia quarterback plan is exactly what Dan Mullen hoped that his would be before the season. The hope is that the 21 guys around the quarterback makes it so that whoever you put in there isn't going to significantly lower or heighten your ceiling. They're going to be someone who, to use a coach speak here, the offense kind of just is tooled around them and it still works no matter who's in there. That was what Dan Mullen hoped Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones would be. And that's why he doesn't, I think, put a whole lot of weight into terms like starter and backup. And we've heard these terms for years, so I'm not just pulling this out of my butt here. Todd Grantham has said consistently, hey, I need 22 guys on defense, 22 starters, because we rotate so much, 22 guys have to be ready to play as if they're starters at all times. And I think you've seen a lot of that translate to the offense since Dan Mullen has been here, but something has become clear over the past six maybe even seven games, I guess you could say now, that Florida has a higher long-term ceiling with Anthony Richardson based on his dynamic potential. And that was even more evident in Baton Rouge in that third quarter, fourth quarter comeback that Florida attempted to pull. Yeah, damn all took the training wheels off. Yeah, you know, that's a great phrase for it. I think that you finally saw Anthony Richardson go out there and not have to really worry about making mistakes because to that point, it was less of a trial and more just of a, okay, play free, see who can win us this game. And I hate to bring up Anthony Richardson's time at Eastside all the time, but that happened so often where the Rams would get scored on really quickly and then he kind of has to just play free and loose and just be like, you're leading this comeback. Seeing him do that kind of just made me a little nostalgic for him doing that, but it was so impressive. Yeah, dude, his whole high, high school career. Yeah, I mean, it was so impressive when it translates to this level, though, that you kind of have to stand back and appreciate and be like, okay, this is not just nothing. He is doing this in a place that's considered to be the toughest, one of the toughest to play in all of college football on the road. And he's doing this at 19 years old without being prepared as a starter, without getting significant offseason reps. I mean, most guys go through the majority of offseason, preseason, spring, getting the majority of first team reps if they're going to be the starter sharing those reps I've said this before is going to absolutely lower a guy's chances of being successful because they get less work so the fact that he's already doing this at this rate 
I could absolutely see why people want to go all in on him. Yeah. Georgia has that right now. That is a scary thing. No matter who has been at quarterback, I mean, we haven't seen any amazing JT Daniels or amazing Stetson Bennett performances. No matter who's been back there, they have been dominant. And that's what's so scary to me. Because the running game is just incredible. Exactly. And that really was not a privilege that Georgia had in the past. Even though they had this abundance of five-star quarterbacks, it felt like, whoever was back there, the game kind of fell on their shoulders. And that's what should scare Florida fans and coaches and players because that hasn't seemingly mattered for this Georgia team this year. Yeah, and last year, obviously... Stetson Bennett gets hurt with his first quarter touchdown and tries to play through that injury, but never really was able to make the throws that he needed to make. And I think he's certainly looking forward to another opportunity now healthy to play Florida and get a rematch. But look, I was telling Nick Del Torre when we were leaving Baton Rouge and on the way to the airport, like I still think despite what Anthony Richardson had just done in LSU, that he was still going to at least start Emory Jones in the game. And I felt that then. And I'm not saying that that was the right decision or that's what I would do, but I just felt like that's what Dan would do. And sure enough, we've gone through the bye week and we've gotten to this point, and that looks like that that probably is going to be the plan. I mean, he's not saying who's going to get the first snap, but I do think you're going to see Emory at least early on in the game. And I just don't know, and Mullen probably would never say this publicly, but I just don't know that he wants Anthony Richardson's first career start to be against number one Georgia. I just don't think in any way or at any point in his development that would be his plan or that would be how he wants to draw it up. Now, I don't think he's going to be so stubborn to play Emory to the point, especially if he's not getting the job done, that he hurts his team's chance of winning the game. But I just don't think that he wants to put that game on Anthony's shoulders from the get-go and say, this is your start. This is your game. I just, I don't, it's not even that he's ready, that he doesn't feel like he's not ready for it or can't handle it. That's just not how he planned his development to play out. And I think he also planned on Emory Jones progressing to the point that he would be the quarterback for this game and start for this game. So I think right here, you're at a crossroads, though. I mean, either the plan that he had always had in mind of how it was going to work this year, that's going to actually work in this game, or you basically blow it up if you lose to Georgia and it doesn't get the job done. And then you got to really go back to the drawing board and evaluate where you go from here with your quarterback position. But I think for this game, as he's alluded to really the past two weeks, he's going to continue to use both guys. He probably feels like there's still some things that Emory can do to help him win this game. But there's certainly more explosiveness, more energy that Ant brings to the table that I think the Gators are going to need to tap into on Saturday in Jacksonville. We're going to jump to this first break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Mark Weiser to get some perspective on these top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. This is Gainesville Sun Sports Editor Arnold Feliciano. Please support our coverage of University of Florida Athletics by subscribing to the Gainesville Sun or Gatorsports.com. It's easy. Just go to www.gainesville.com slash subscribe now. Thank you for your support. USA Today's Florida Sports Network covers the Sunshine State better than anyone else. We have reporters and columnists covering Florida, Florida State, and Miami, the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Bucks. 
Like NASCAR, we've got you covered. We also provide the most comprehensive high school coverage available, and so much more. In fact, we have 17 news sites that encompass the state. Hi, I'm Tim Walters, host of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. Each week, this podcast utilizes our Florida sports network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. From Pensacola to Jacksonville, to Palm Beach to Naples, and all points in between, we've got you covered. The State of Florida Sports Podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on any of our state news sites. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Pod. Zach and Graham here. We're now joined by Mark Weiser from the Athens Banner Herald to give you guys some perspective on the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs and what they've shown this season. Mark, appreciate you joining us today. Good to be with you. How are you guys doing? Man, we're ready for the cocktail party, oh, of yeah. course. <laughs> you always know it's fun when this game's happening in Jacksonville. And obviously not been the season that Florida has wanted to this point, but everything is is basically gone right for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, just overall, kind of what's been your your take on them so far this season and and what they've done to get this number one ranking to this point? I mean, it's hard to have find many qualms at all with what they've done. I mean, the Clemson game was was tight, but you felt like Georgia, you know, um, had control and um, didn't put up a lot of points. You know, JT Daniels was dealing with an oblique injury that really didn't know about, you know, during it and Clemson kind of dared them to, uh, to, to throw the ball, which they weren't going to do against them, dropping a bunch of uh, DBs. Um, but, I mean, it's been a dominant defense, the kind that's, you know, you're going to probably hear about when you talk about the best defenses in the, in this century in terms of starting in, in the year 2000-ish. Um, so it's pretty special. We'll see if it can continue on, you know, in these last uh, five regular season games. But there's no reason to think that it won't, given the amount of talent that they have, especially in that front seven. Now, we could see potentially four quarterbacks in this game on Saturday. Obviously, the Gators got their own situation with Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones. We've also had two quarterbacks start for the Bulldogs and Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels. Uh, how has that situation played out in, in Athens? W what do you expect on Saturday? And, and, and really, does anything change regardless of who's in there? Well, I mean, I'll answer the second part of that at first. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, you're not going to see JT Daniels uh, you know, keeping the ball and, and running 25, 30 yards like like Bennett. Uh, he's not going to scramble, um, you know, like Stetson with his wheels. And, um, you know, he has a different dimension. And, you know, but but Daniels will give you the quicker release, uh, you know, probably a little bit more accurate, you know, if you look at the completion percentages as well. I mean, I would expect that they're both going to play, um, you know, whether he's going to go with one guy for the first two series and then go with uh, the next guy in the third. That's probably his, you know, MO given that's what he did, um, you know, in the second and third games of the season. Daniels was out for the UAB game with an oblique injury. Um, and then, you know, Bennett started the first uh, two series. They brought in Carson Beck, the third, and then the South Carolina game, Daniel started and Bennett came in the third series. Um, you know, it's hard to think that you're going to pull Stetson Bennett, given that they just had three straight wins against top 20 teams. Um, but, you know, he threw five touchdown passes against UAB in the first half and he started Daniels the next game. So um, I'm not going to guess if, if you ask me, you know, uh, <laughs> to, to put money on it, I would, I'd say probably Stetson. Um, but I, I certainly think we'll see both. Certainly something to watch when it comes to Florida's quarterback situation. However, we've heard a lot of discussion about who should be the starter, who really gives Florida the edge, most dynamic weapon. What are the difficulties 
from Georgia's perspective in game planning for Florida's quarterback situation? Well, uh, you know, I guess Richardson is probably the, the better runner, although they both have very uh, uh, impressive statistics that way. Um, you know, I, I don't know with Emory Jones and his ability to do the play fakes and, and, and chuck it deep, uh, you know, that might uh, give some trouble to a Georgia secondary. They have some young guys back there and really haven't been tested, um, you, you know, with deep shots uh, like Florida can do. Um, you know, I think Georgia has so much speed in their front seven in particular. It's going to be hard to, to see these guys running like they've been able to for most of the season. Um, you know, Mullen certainly can can dial up some some special plays. So uh, we'll see what he has. I mean, the wheel routes obviously were, were very uh, effective against Georgia last year, but they're, they're playing more zone defense. Uh, they probably have spent a lot of time in the off week to, you know, deal with that kind of thing. So. Um, you know, I think uh, they don't mind seeing, um, you know, a mobile quarterback. Uh, they feel like they shut down, you know, what they've seen from Bo Nix, from K.J. Jefferson, and what uh, Kentucky had with Will Levis. You talk about dialing up trick plays, the wheel route last year. I think Florida fans have kind of taken solace in the fact that Dan Mullen is regarded as a astute head coach, second longest tenured SEC head coach, really has given them the advantage from a coaching perspective, but we've seen Kirby smart take strides. At least that's, I think the outside perspective. Can you talk a little bit about what his improvements are as a head coach heading into the season? Yeah. I mean, I think as you, as you look at the missed opportunities Georgia had to win uh, you know, national championship um, and, and how he dealt with Justin Fields the year after, um, you know, you're not really hearing anything at all about second guessing decisions Kirby's made. Now it might just be because Georgia hasn't really played that many games that have been close, but he's maximizing this very talented roster, um, and, and he's managed the quarterbacks well. Um, you know, there was uh, stories that came out, um, mostly from Carson Beck's, uh, you know, private quarterbacks coach before the game against UAB that he was going to be starting. And it turned out it was Stetson Bennett that started. And, and you know, I think most of the fans didn't want to see Stetson Bennett because he didn't perform very well against Florida last year against Alabama in the second half. But Kirby went with the guy that he thought, you know, was best based on practice. And, you know, didn't go by like the popular vote type thing. So, you know, I, I think he, um, as a six-year head coach, is uh, very secure in, in what he's doing. And he's, he's got a lot of guys on staff, you know, in terms of head guys that have been former head coaches. Um, the offensive line coach who came from Ole Miss, Will Muschamp now, a position coach um, who is coaching the special teams, uh, has a, you know, a, a and Iowa on the secondary as well. So um, he's certainly maturing as a head coach and, and you know, is, is definitely a national coach of the year as well as SEC coach of the year type candidate. We're speaking with Mark Weiser from the Athens Banner Herald. Final couple questions for you, Mark, as we go into Saturday's matchup. Obviously, it's a, a new year and, the, and these are new teams. Is there any motivation you feel like from Georgia's side based on last year's game and, and the Gators getting that win or – are they on to bigger and, and be better things and, and kind of have bigger goals and then maybe getting revenge? And you're not hearing much about it. I, I think one of the players did mention that there would be some motivation. And I'm sure behind closed doors, there probably is more than they'll let on. You know, they don't want to get embarrassed against their rival like they were last year. Um, so, you know, if they needed an extra motivation, um, I, I'm sure that will be, especially the guys that played. Now, there, there's, you know, a good number of guys, especially in the, in the secondary that, that aren't here anymore. Um, but, um, you know, anytime they can stick it to, to the rivals, whether it's Florida, whether it's Georgia Tech uh, or Auburn, <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't mind it. Absolutely. And, the, and obviously for Florida coming into this game, they're, they're unranked. 
they're looking for an opportunity to potentially play spoiler. Although Zach Carter said, Hey, Georgia could lose this game and still make it to the playoff. Uh, smart take on his part, but from your standpoint, Mark, how does Georgia lose this game? What, what do they have to potentially do to give Florida a chance to, to be competitive? Um, and how, what do you, what do you feel like they need to do to win this game? You know, they haven't uh, you know, turned the ball over at, a, at an alarming rate. And certainly that's a way that, that Florida um, you know, can stay in it. Short fields, um, mistakes on special teams where, where Georgia's had some. They had a hard time. Kyrus Jackson just fielding punts against Kentucky in some wind, and and uh, you know, it looks like there is some wind in the forecast uh, in in Florida and Jacksonville on, on Saturday. Um, you know, big plays in the passing game. Um, you know, these quarterbacks getting loose and and getting you know thirty yard chunk type plays. Um, and then if there's a, a problem with the the flow of these quarterbacks on Georgia. You know, if it messes up chemistry, yeah. um, you know, I think that could could uh, you know do something as well. So uh, th- those are some of the factors that that might play into it. But, um, you know, I, I think that point spread seems about right in terms of where it should be. Um, but Florida certainly capable of, uh, you know, being there in the fourth quarter, making it uh, dicey. Absolutely. Well, Mark, we really appreciate the time and perspective. I know you've been busy all week getting ready for this game and you got your podcast of your own to, to, to record. So we thank you for the time and look forward to seeing you in Jacksonville. But see you guys. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams, let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Nealon, but I did interview Bear Bryant, and I interviewed Nick Saban, and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Pod. Zach and Graham here. Appreciate Mark for joining us and uh, talking some UGA. And now we're going to continue our Florida Gators talk as we get into our X factors for Saturday's game before Graham and I give our score predictions. Uh, And I think certainly starting on the offensive side, there is a guy that I can go with and I'm going to talk about. We've already alluded to him once. But Graham, I'll let you open this up because you've got a different offensive X factor. And I, I know Nick Del Torre is going to appreciate this. This is, you got to stick with me here. It's a little unconventional, but this Georgia team, you have to give them so much respect. You have to find a way to rack up yards and get a scoring threat against this team. No better way to do that than getting their defense off the field. We have seen Jeremy Crawshaw, my X factor for this game, rattle off a 28-yard run, and then we talked to him about how he was able to do that, and his story fascinated me. To recap, he played rugby in Australia. He played winger, used to tucking the ball and running down the sideline (laughs) full force. I mean, he resembled Tommy Townsend on that run. That is clearly a weapon. Florida fans have called on Dan Mullen to be more aggressive. In this game, fourth and three, fourth and four, 
if you stall out and you need a score, what better weapon for you offensively than Jeremy Crawshaw? Get the defense off the field, get you a scoring threat on the field, get some momentum, get them off balance. I mean, it would be a lot like what Georgia did to the Gators all those years ago when Mark Rick goes down the field and they go into the end zone and celebrate, take the celebration penalty, and it just kind of shocks the Gators. So you want Dan Mullen to go full Dan Campbell. I want him to absolutely. Jeremy Crawshaw should live in the minds of Bulldogs fans like Jacob Hester has lived in the minds of Florida fans after he picked up all those fourth and short situations. I don't think I've heard or seen a fullback since Jacob Hester in the SEC. Jeremy Crawshaw should be the punter that every Georgia fan thinks of for the next decade when they face the Gators being this. like, oh, this is going to be a huge threat. This guy can take off and run. And then you bring in two other capable guys who can run the ball just as well. I think that that has to happen. If they don't execute some trickery on special teams on Saturday, I'm going to be sorely disappointed because I think they missed out on a huge opportunity to get that defense off the field and then capitalize and extend drives. I thought when you first mentioned that you were going to go Jeremy Crawshaw, I'm thinking, although this still applies, that you're going to say this guy needs to flip the field the entire game. He needs to pin them inside the 10 when he gets the opportunity. He's got to boom some 60 yarders. Like, I thought that's where that's you were going. But maybe thinking that Georgia in this defense is going to shut Florida's offense down, give him a lot of opportunities to do that, and that he needs to deliver. And hey, I think that factors into it too. But hey, you want to see this guy get three or four calls to, uh, you know, his parents are staying up to like three a.m. Let the kid run, or let's see what ball. his arm looks like. Yeah, that's the other thing. I, I mean, mean, like I said, go full Dan Campbell and and just have him drop back and uh, they throw the ball in rugby. I mean, let the man go for it. Like, hey, hey, listen, you're playing the number one team in the country. You're staring at a four and four record. Go all out. Pull out the stops, baby. I think for my X factor. The same applies. Go all out with Anthony Richardson. Unload the clip. You can't be gun shy with an AR-15. That's what I wrote this week. I understand, I think, coming off of the hamstring injury, his first game against Kentucky, and then even against Vanderbilt, especially with the score, 42-0. I think he probably should have played earlier in that game before Emory went out there and threw that pick and then got another series. But... I think Dan's been really vanilla with Anthony Richardson coming off of the hamstring injury, being in SEC play, also not wanting to show a lot. Let's be honest. Those play calls that he dialed up for Anthony Richardson in the second half were not supposed to happen. Those were not supposed to be shown. What was supposed to happen was Emory Jones was supposed to go out and lead the team to victory Anthony Richardson has whatever impact he has on the game, it's not in for, in showing a lot of formations. That I think has been Dan's plan all along is to save some of these things for the Georgia game, for the bye week, and this is when you unleash them. But he got in a situation in Baton Rouge where I cannot lose this game. Our team cannot lose this game. And I got to put Anthony Richardson in and go all out. I can't hold this stuff back anymore. And you saw him all of a sudden open up the playbook and start dialing up stuff that we hadn't seen at all. I mean, this guy called a double play action with Anthony Richardson that just got Pierce wide open on that one pass. So how much of that does he still have in his back pocket? 
how much of that has he shown or did he show in Baton Rouge that now George has had an opportunity to see and prepare for? I'm so intrigued by that. I, I, I think that he probably will also have some some trickerations or, or just some things that, that wrinkles with Emory that he hasn't shown yet. But I do think with Anthony Richardson and the type of athlete that he is, the explosiveness that he uh, brings to the table and what he can do from an RPO standpoint, you're going to see some things and some formations and some play calls that we just never seen before. And can that be enough to put up a touchdown or two that provides a difference in the game or at least allows Florida to be competitive. So to me, he's certainly an an X factor, but not just playing more and being used more, but Dan not being conservative whatsoever with him and just going all out. You got to win this game. I'm with you. You got to go all out. That absolutely is, I think, the mantra for Florida this weekend. And And I I know one guy on defense that's going to go all out for this game. Yeah? You getting a little ahead of yourself here? No, I mean, mean, for for you, this is your X factor. You know he's pumped for this. He's got to be. I mean, talk about anyone who actually keeps up with someone on the Georgia roster. I was looking at the Bulldogs roster, and they only have 12 players from the state of Florida, you know, for anyone who has the narrative that Georgia is pilfering the state for talent. Now, they're getting those five stars from across the country, let's be honest here. But when it comes to guys who want to go all out against this loaded Georgia roster, you got to talk about the outcast, the one who departed, who left, forged his own path. I'm talking about Brenton Cox, wearer of the number one jersey for Florida, who has had really an unfortunate season. I mean, listen, call it like it is. He did not have a good game against LSU, missed multiple opportunities to sack Max Johnson, but I also think he hasn't been healthy. You're not wrong. That's exactly it. The latter part is, I think, what we forget so often here, and it's happened with guys like Gene DeLance. Just because guys are playing in a game does not mean that they are fully healthy and that they're playing up to the potential that they have, their talent level here. I think you've seen that with Brenton Cox, especially this year, and even going back into last year, he was not fully healthy, didn't heal in the offseason, had that Jones fracture, had surgery that was supposed to keep him out for, I think, start of the season, and then he works his way into playing condition, and we talked to him after the first two games. He said, hey, I'm I'm not 100%. And he said, I'm not going to be 100%. This is big until the end of October. Well, it's now the end of October, and I'm not trying to hold this against him or give him a deadline, but this is when he said he would be back, and this is the game that he was supposed to be 100% for. And you got to think the bye week, he just absolutely took an opportunity to rest up. Yeah, and he kind of, let's be honest, when guys are putting out things on film that aren't indicative of the type of player they are, and it's because they're attempting to play through injury, they are motivated to set the, the record straight. And now that I think he is inching closer to be fu- being fully healthy, you're going to see someone who is 100% motivated, especially going against his former teammates who they got to see it as in like he left and they didn't miss a beat. That should kind of eat at you in a sense. And I imagine that Brenton Cox is thinking that way. And then you factor in the fact that he's kind of the forgotten man on this really talented Florida defensive line. We talk about the transfers inside. We talk about Zach Carter. We've seen Antoine Powell, Chris Bogle, all have big impacts for Florida at times this year. Jeremiah Moon, another one on the edge. This is Brenton Cox's game, in my opinion. If he doesn't 
step up in these 60 minutes, I think it's going to be a valuable opportunity missed. And I don't know if he's going to get another one. I know that he's a redshirt junior, could come back next year. But this is a guy, former five-star, was already supposed to be in the league by now. This may be his last chance to show his former teammates that no matter where he plays, he's going to be an NFL player. Well, you speak of a, a Gator now going against his former team in Georgia. And to be honest, this guy is the X factor for them defensively. And it's not a player. It's the coach. Former Georgia defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham. To me, this game is on him. I think that the players have made it loud and clear from the moment that they lost to LSU and even throughout this week. I mean, even heard Daquan Newkirk get addressed about some of the missed assignments and alignments and tackles. And Newkirk said this week, no, we just got out schemed. And certainly we heard Mahmoud Diabate reference that in his post-game press conference. I think Florida, I don't think they certainly don't have the talent that Georgia has defensively, not close to it, but they're talented. They've got talent in the front seven. They've made improvements in the secondary. Now they got Kyrie Elam back. Todd Grantham needs to call the game of his life. Everyone knows the pressure that he's been under, the scrutiny that he's faced, and he's even been asked about his contract expiring at the end of the season, all of that. You know that you're under a microscope. Your players have basically said that we we feel like we can get the job done. So his game plan was one of the worst that we've ever seen from a coordinator against LSU. He's had this bye week to to eat that, to face that on film, and now come back and have an opportunity to game plan for the number one team in the country. Can he put his players and these defensive talented guys in position? I, I, I think that they are capable of making plays and getting stops and disrupting Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels. But if if they get schemed up again, it's not going to matter. So if, if Georgia's offensive coordinator and their staff is able to figure out Florida's defensive game plan and take advantage of it and and Grantham can't make the adjustments, then this is not going to matter. So I I think on Saturday, I know the players are going to show up ready for this game. They've shown that they could have stretches this season where they play really elite defense. And I thought that certainly after they just got uh, blitzed in that first quarter against Alabama, they buckled down defensively and they've had their moments. Uh, But to me, this is on Todd Grantham coming out with the pressure on him, can you come up with one of your best game plans ever as a coordinator and show why you're getting paid the salary that you are? And if it's another game plan like it was at LSU, well, then everyone knows what's going to happen. So that that's that's my X factor because I think the players are going to show up, like Mahmoud Diabate said, I think they're going to be ready. Yeah, you got to limit this Georgia offense to under 40 points, which leads me to my score prediction. I know that Georgia has been, you know, touted as this team that's only given up five touchdowns this season. That's obviously not going to cut it. This can't be a low-scoring affair because I don't think anyone is confident in Florida's ability to hold a team under 17, 20 points. You name it. I don't think they've given you the benefit of that doubt. The way I see this playing out, I do think, I'm I'm with Mark, that I think Florida can make it a close contest going into the fourth quarter. But Georgia just has too much, and I don't think Florida's going to be able to get that third touchdown, really, 
They're going to get some special teams plays. They're going to get some long field goals. But I'm seeing this one going 31-20 Bulldogs, and their onslaught continues. But be honest. I mean, an 11-point loss to this Georgia team, no one wants to hear moral victories, but that would be the closest anyone's really played them right now outside of Clemson. So it just shows again, once once again, where this team needs to improve and, and where they need to get to. And I think that Georgia's going to let them know on Saturday. Yeah, as I look at this matchup, obviously I think Florida, with all the problems that have shown up defensively, the missed tackles, and now some of their issues on offense, not necessarily with the production, but figuring out who's the right quarterback to have out there, I, I think that that really is going to hurt them in this game. I think that Dan Mullen is going to have some stuff dialed up that is going to get some guys open or some points scored. I do think that they are going to have the opportunity to at least score three touchdowns, and I think that they can get there. But I just think that this defense from Georgia really is that elite, and eventually they are going to, I think, either figure out what Florida is trying to do, or I think they're going to get some stops, be it against Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson. I don't think it's, you know, can necessarily think or say it's going to be one guy or the other. Because Emory's certainly been turnover prone. And then Anthony Richardson, if he does get more playing time in this game, is facing a tall task going up against this Georgia defense as a redshirt freshman who is still very limited in his experience despite the what he's shown with his playing time. So I think that coupled with defensively uh, Georgia – coming in with a strong running game, Florida giving up what they gave on the ground. And I think regardless of who starts at quarterback, I don't think he's going to have to do a lot because I think that Georgia's going to find a way to be able to run the ball against this Florida defense and this Florida scheme, should I say. Uh, can that front seven get some pressure on the quarterback, maybe for some sacks, for some some errant throws like they did last year? I think that's what Florida's going to have to do to maybe be in this game. But I, I see it playing out around the same way. I think 31-21. Maybe Georgia even gets a stop and holds Florida to 17. But I I think that Florida and and Dan Mullen are going to have some things schemed up to score some points. But I just don't think that they can keep up with the Bulldogs in this game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This has got to be a game where the opposition beats themselves for Florida to have a chance. So I think that if that happens, not often a team of this caliber is going to give you an opportunity. If the Gators don't capitalize on it, that's going to be just as difficult to stomach I think for a lot of people out there because we haven't seen this Georgia team give many teams a window and they faced some top 10 teams before and just faced a team that beat Florida a couple weeks back so they're gonna have to have their fingers crossed that there's some self-inflicted wounds and that can always happen whenever emotions are involved in a rivalry game like this yeah and we'll see how the quarterback situation plays out for both teams who gets the start how much Emory Jones plays, how much Anthony Richardson is used, all that and more we'll watch for Saturday in Jacksonville. And then we'll join you guys for a swamp cast after the game. So make sure you stay tuned to Gatorsports.com. And we'll be back next week to preview the road trip to South Carolina. For Graham Hall, I'm Zach Abelverde.